Project Archivist is not intended to be used as a sexual aid, but if it works for you, please don't send us pictures. Some rare listeners have serious skin reactions while listening to Project Archivist, some of which can become life-threatening. These can include rash, swelling, redness, and peeling of the skin. Some listeners have had changes in behavior, hostility, agitation, paranoia, and reduced intelligence while using Project Archivist for listening pleasure. If you, your family, or caregiver notice agitation, hostility, flatulence, or changes in behavior, thinking, or mood that are not typically for you, or you develop anxiety, panic, aggression, anger, mania, abnormal sensations, hallucinations, sonder, confusion, klaxos, bankruptcy, or xenocyne, stop listening to Project Archivist and call your doctor right away. Project Archivist cannot and should not be used as a flotation device, even in the unlikely event of alien contact, regardless of what some doctor in Arizona may say. Some people have reported rare allergic reactions to listening to Project Archivist, some of which can be life-threatening and include swelling of the face, mouth, throat, and sexual organs that can cause trouble breathing and being able to stand in an upright position. Do not taunt Project Archivist. It is also recommended that you do not hold the wrong end of the chainsaw while listening to Project Archivist. Less common side effects include difficulty with concentration, clay-colored stools, erections lasting longer than six hours, unusual facial expressions, problems with memory, problems with memory, and problems with memory. Project Archivist may cause drowsiness, and alcohol may intensify this effect. Use care when operating a sausage cooker or other useless machinery, especially while in the state of Colorado. Some side effects may not need any medical attention. As your body gets used to Project Archivist, these side effects may disappear. Your healthcare professional may be able to help you prevent or reduce these side effects, but do check with them as any side effects will continue, or if you are concerned about reducing them. The most commonly reported side effects are fatigue, munchies, drowsiness, impaired coordination, memory impairment, and the strong desire to unsubscribe to our podcast. Always check with your doctor to make sure that you are healthy enough to engage in Project Archivist activity. Project Archivist, making the world a better place for you and your shape-shifting alien reptilian Masonic girlfriend. Ask your psychotherapist, gastrointestinal specialist, or proctologist if Project Archivist is right for you. When the time is right, Project Archivist. What's up, everybody? Welcome back. Uh, it's been, what, three weeks since I've recorded an episode with you? No? Yes. I think, yeah, it has been three weeks. Wow. Yeah, because you recorded The Spark, and then I dropped the one with Travis Walton, the first interview that Travis Walton ever did after he was abducted. So it's been a little bit since we've recorded a show together. And we really don't have anything on the, the set diehard on the docket tonight, because I've been so busy with my home life and family life that I really have had very little time to put forward to getting guests and doing stuff with the show. However, having said that, I have already began booking stuff up. Let me knock over all my stuff here on the desk to look at the calendar. Yeah, we've By got all a, means. We, we've got it. We've got at least two diehard for sure set carved in stone guests for next month. I'm so sure that they're going to come on that I'm not going to talk about who they are. You just screwed this because up. Because I don't want to ruin the show. So. <laughs> You're already doing that. Well, I didn't say who it was. I didn't, I didn't bring on the curse of the show by saying the names of the guests. So, can you hear all my, like, antacids and, and yep. allergy sure pills? And, not and annoying at all. Stuff just flopping all over the yeah, desk here? sure. No, by all means, we just live in your world. <laughs> you live in my world, I imagine you all. So, anyways, yeah, that's what's been up. Did you listen to the uh, last episode of the Travis Walton interview? You probably didn't. Did. Did you? I was going to originally release, I found... I want. I was going to do a best of that. I said, no, nah, I don't want to do that. I, I want to put some work into doing this. So I found all of these calls of air traffic controllers and pilots that it, were spotting UFOs. And I thought, wow, that was really cool. And then I'm scrolling down and then it said Travis Walton's first interview. And I'm like, 
oh, what, you know. Then I look at it a little bit more, and this that was like it was like recorded like two days after he came back. I said, well, wow, that's really cool. It'd be really neat to hear the very first things he had to say about it when it was all still fresh before all the ufology gobbledygook got into it and everybody asked him all these different questions and crap. So, and it's been a while since we've done a found audio show, and I thought, that well, this would be really cool to throw out there. But I still have the air traffic controller ones, and I still want to do something with that. And we may take another weekend off coming up because I think you've got vacation plans or something in July. Uh, Maybe I might. Some I don't things know. have fallen through, so I don't know. Well, it's summer, and we let everybody know, hey, summer's coming. We've got plans and stuff going on. So I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I. You uh, do you want to cover a story real quick here before we uh, because we yeah. we got somebody scheduled to come on. Do you, do you want to talk about the uh, the Georgia man plotted attack on Alaska Aurora uh, Research Facility to release souls? Detective this says. Guy's, <sighs> I just. This may or it's may stuff not, like this that makes me just want to get off the planet. I don't think that this is, but this may or may not be fake news as we put this disclaimer out now in the day and age of fake news and we have we have been duped before many times no no it's from november of last year so well that was heyday of fake news that was when it was really kicking in you want to read this yeah sure why not go ahead and read it it's kind of lengthy but hey i never learned how to read well considering the music that's going to pop up in this week's show with alex jones (laughs) okay so this is from the alaska dispatch and you already said what it was. So two men arrested last week in north, in southern Georgia were planning to attack uh, an Aurora research facility owned by the University of Alaska Fairbanks, around which conspiracy theories of mind control have long swirled, investigators said. Television station WALB in Georgia first reported Monday that investigators with the Coffee County Sheriff's Office arrested Michael Mansell, 30, and James Dryden, 22, on Thursday and said the massive amount of arsenal size looked like something out of a movie, one where a small army was headed to war. Well, weren't they really? Michael Vickers, a detective of the sheriff's office, told Alaska Dispatch News that both men confessed that God told them to go and blow this machine up. There's souls. your answer right there. God so souls could be released. These two cats look like they're up to no good. All I can tell you is that they were planning on blowing up the machine, Vickers said, going to try to find scientists to steal his car and ID badge to gain access, any scientist. Vickers could not say what else the men might be charged with. About being stupid, you can't do that. It is being investigated, and there could be more charges pending, but as for now, there's nothing I can tell you, he said. Once a U.S. Air Force facility, high-frequency active auroral research program ownership last year was transferred to UAF, for many years, conspiracy theorists about HARP's capabilities for mind control, weather control have persisted to the point where the center hosted an open house in August in an effort to dispel such theories. But by then they hit everything, so you couldn't see anything. Exactly. The program studied the properties and behavior of the Earth's ionosphere and part of the atmosphere that can affect communication and navigation systems. Miriam Grimes, a spokesman, wouldn't it be? All right, I don't know. I thought it would be a spokesperson. Oh, I did. It's a spokeswoman. spokeswoman. I'm a misogynist pig. At UAF said that while HARP has been a target for threats before, in recent past, there hasn't been anything quite this extreme planned. Wait. She didn't have specific details about other threats. We're just very glad and thankful that law enforcement agency in Georgia for following up that up on 
that and being able to apprehend these individuals. She said, there's lots and lots of conspiracy theories and dot, dot, dot. It's important to remember that actually this is a scientific research facility. That doesn't mean it. Look at that arsenal. Yep. I like it. Yep. Among the weapons seized were AR-15 rifles, meh, Glock handguns, eh, Remington rifle, and thousands of rounds of ammunition. WALB reported authorities discovered that the plot to attack Harp after initially investigating Mansell for possible drug sales. Gee, I wonder what tipped him off. His random babbling in a corner? The two men were charged with selling methamphetamine, possession of marijuana, and possession of a weapon during the commission of a crime, WLB reported. Mansell was also charged with use of a telecommunication device in committing and facilitating a felony. Uh, And there you have it, folks. So there's that. All right, we're going to move on to, uh, we're going to have Manny coming back on the show here. And Manny is the... He runs the UFO Clearinghouse website. We've had him on here a couple of times. He's kind of the go-to guy that to talk about all of the year's crazy sightings and stuff because he kind of catalogs them and throws them onto his site. But here's the thing. Uh, he lives in Chicago, and apparently Mothman has decided to move from out in Hicksville down in West Virginia and move to the big windy city of Chicago. Why not? Because apparently this year there has been a plethora, that's a big word there, folks, of Mothman Easy. sightings around the city. So Manny living in Chicago has been keeping tabs on all these. I think Lon Strickler's been pretty much trying to nail down nail a lot of this stuff down too on his website. I think it was is his website Shadows and Monsters, that blog spot? Yeah. I don't mm-hmm. remember. It's been a long time since I've been to Lon Strickler's site. So being that Manny lives out there, I'm like, hey, uh, can we give you a call and find out what's going on with Mothman? And he said, Yeah, sure, no problem. And that's what we're gonna do now. So we're gonna jump over and talk to Manny and find out why Mothman's decided to pick residents in the Windy City. So we've got Manuel Never. How the hell do you pronounce your last name, Manny? Is it Navarrete? Navarrete, yeah. Navarrete, okay. And you run UFO Clearinghouse, and we've had you on here numerous times to talk about UFO stuff. So mm-hmm. apparently Mothman has decided to move out of the sticks and become a city boy and move up to Chicago. And you've been tracking oh, yeah. the whole Mothman Chicago sighting phenomena since the whole thing got started. Now, I myself, mm-hmm. I'll put I'll put my beliefs out there right front. I'm, I'm not really sure what the hell this is, and I'm thinking some of it is attributed to mass hysteria or, or one kind or another. I don't know. I just don't. The idea of Mothman in the city, like a couple of years ago, we had reports of Bigfoot in downtown Detroit, and I was like, that's asinine. But what do I yeah. know? I don't know. Lobo, what do you think? <laughs> well, considering that it's been seen in places in Russia where there's more people, I would say that it's pro- maybe a possibility. Yes, so therefore, Russian Mothman definitely had an influence on our last election. But that's another story entirely. So, excuse me, Manny, tell me what's going on with the Chicago Mothman, because you've been tracking it from the beginning. Well, I mean, the sightings actually began in 2011. There was three sightings at that point. All of them concentrated around the UIC campus. Uh, One report of... um, of it, you know, looking through the window of uh, of uh, an apartment and seeing the two girls that were in there, um, 
observing the two girls that were in there. Hot. They said when they saw it, they completely freaked out. They said that they felt like uh, they felt like they were being eyed as like like an animal would look at prey. Mm-hmm. So, you know, then right after that, they had uh, someone saw it on um, nearby. It was actually related to the first sighting. They saw it at the park. It was actually perched on top of a basketball hoop. And they said it, it leaped up into the air and just shot up into the air. And then a few days later after that, they saw it again. Uh, and somebody described it. Now, the person was from Tasmania. He says he, it looked like a giant super glider um, hmm. in the way that it looked. And then, you know, he went away for a while. And now he's back. And apparently back with a vengeance because in the last uh, few months, there have been no more, no less than about 18 sightings. And it, it's just gone insane. Um, we just had a sighting t- that was in, that was submitted today. Um, actually just got posted up to the web, to the website. Um, like I told you, um, I'm actually out of town. I'm actually in, in a hotel right now in Baldwin, Wisconsin, right now trying to do this. So uh, <laughs> we're having to deal with some family business. So, um, if you hear background noise, it's just people coming in and out of the lobby. Oh, but, yeah, um, it's cool. Go ahead. Yeah, this one happened in the, this one happened near uh, North Wrightwood Avenue and North Lakeview Avenue um, in um, the Lakeview neighborhood. May twenty seventh, twenty seventh, uh, two thousand seventeen, about ten thirty at night. Uh, husband and wife were coming to home, and um, after having dinner, it was about ten thirty ish at night, and. Um, as they approached the intersection, they saw a large creature fly over them. Um, they said it was almost solid black, except for the fact that there were two glowing red eyes staring back at them. Uh, it flew overhead, circled back, and it flew over again overhead of them before heading off in the direction of the park. Um, what's cool about this one is that it happened approximately three or four blocks from uh, the last sightings. Which was, which happened around the third of June, and there were two sightings within blocks of each other of a flying humanoid. They said they looked like a giant bat, solid black, glowing eyes, flying right above the, the the street lamps. So they were able to get some good, pretty good descriptions of it. Um, since then, you know, there have been just numerous sightings of this creature. Um, all over the all over the city, uh, far down is Calumet Park. Um, the one that happened uh, a few days ago was just off the Navy Pier, um, seen by a jogger. Uh, she says it looked like it came from under the bridge, which is there's a the bridge that holds up the the Lakeshore Drive, and flew over the overhead over the trees and out over the lake. So. Yeah, and we also had another one, and I was going to tell you, as, like I was telling you before we started recording, this is going to be kind of an exclusive, because I just received the sighting about an hour ago. I haven't even had a chance to process it or put it on the web or anything. Mm-hmm. So <clears throat> this one happened uh, yesterday, according to the gentleman. He's stating that him and his girlfriend were out uh, in the what they call the mall campus area. And if you're not familiar in Chicago, there's a, uh, the mall campus is like about a four block area. 
right on the lakefront has the field museum, the shed aquarium, and then in the back is the Adler Planetarium. Mm-hmm. It's really beautiful area. Um, apparently, they were there celebrating their anniversary, and they go. They decided to go out to what's referred to as the hunting ground, which is um, if you don't play Pokemon Go, or if you play Pokemon Go, you know that that's a, a popular area um, where you get a lot of spawns. And apparently, the shed happens to be, and the Adler area happen to be the best places where people go to hunt for Pokemon. So. They were out there Ironic. doing this, and um, <laughs> yeah, that they, they had walked around the back of the of the shed, and um, around they were walking around the um, Adler, and in the back of the Adler, it's actually really kind of dark, uh, but it's also got um, there's another observatory back there that faces out toward the lake, um, and then you can go around and take a little loop around and walk. Uh, toward the east, oh, no, I'm sorry, toward the west, and um, you will run into, like, concession stands and, you know, places where you can sit and, um, you know, just hang out on the lakefront, <laughs> and it was there that they had a sighting. They said that they had ordered some food and sat down when there was a huge commotion. People were running, you know, toward the front of the lake, and, you know, they were all pointing up at the sky, so they ran out there, and this was about dusk, and, um, uh, they said they saw a large object fly over them and flying out toward, you know, away from them. Uh, have when other people that people, were there, have other people that were there called in, you know, or made reports as well, or is it just this one guy and his girlfriend so far? Just so far, this one guy and his girlfriend, but, I mean, it's slowly and surely going to be, I think that we'll be getting more reports as the days go on. And most of the sightings have happened with groups of people, uh, I think the only one we've ever had, besides the one that happened before this last latest one with a jogger, she even then she said that there were multiple people, you know, pointing up to the sky saying, "What, what is that?" And, you know, they, they they saw it as well. But the very first of the that started to flap was in Oz Park, and that was a single woman with her dog out of the jog jogging the paths, ran into a creature that was on the ground about six to seven feet tall glowing red eyes, and she said that the wings on it jutted out of its back and were about a foot and a half taller than the, than the creature itself. And it turned and noticed her, and within seconds, it unfurls these massive wings and then just shoots up into the sky. The descriptions of the these... First do these descriptions mm-hmm. match the same as the, as the West Virginia, or, you know, as, as, as the original Mothman, or... Are these are these described as something different? Do they do they match the original description for the original Mothman? I guess that's a better way to put it. At first, yes, they did. At first, they did, they matched almost exactly what you, what you had the Point Pleasant uh, sightings and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, solid black, glowing red eyes, you know, large wings. But eventually, you know, as they've come out, as they've come on, they've taken different approaches. Uh, people have reported large owls. Uh, the one sighting in Humble Park, um, they, the people who saw it described it as a lachusa or a lacusa, that's what they're saying. But um, Global would be familiar with, uh, yeah. they're familiar with it, the legend of, La, the, of the lacusa. Mm-hmm. Um, in southern Mexico, or in northern Mexico, southern Texas, most Hispanic areas, there's a legend of a, of a creature called the lachusa. The lachusa is apparently a witch that can transform herself into a giant uh, 
house. And that if it comes for you, it'll sit outside your house, like, you know, sing-songing. And uh, if you hear it, then something bad's about to happen to you. It's uh, a harbinger. Well, yeah, yeah Mothman is Mothman is usually known as a harbinger of, of, of you know, ill will, too, or, or, you know, bad tidings. Oh, yeah. So. Yeah, it's been seen in some of the, best, in some of the biggest uh, disasters. I mean, it was seen in Chernobyl. It was seen over New York before 9-11. And it was seen over Fukushima mm. right before the earthquake. Yeah, but I tend you to know? wonder, like, if, if that's just people saying that stuff after the fact. You know, if, if mm-hmm. people actually are seeing this, there's like this time around, if something does bad, you know, heaven forbid something bad does happen, people can actually say, yeah, we were seeing this Mothman thing until until this event happened. Now, the downside to that is bad events could happen at any time. There could, you know, there could be any sort of tragedy or something like that that would happen in Chicago purely by happenstance. And people would go, oh, that must have been what Mothman was trying to warn us about. So I know I've got mm-hmm. my skeptical hat on right now. I'm just... I'm just leery about this. I mean, I'm fascinated by the fact that so many people are seeing it. But as I said, I wonder how many people are are legitimately seeing something or how many people are just hopping on the bandwagon to report that they're seeing something. So plus, I'm curious about if so many people of groups of people have seen this. How come it's only one or two people? This is just me playing devil's advocate. You know, how many? How come it's only like one or two people within a group or a couple that were in the group actually reporting it as opposed to, yes, I was in the group and I saw it as well. You know, do we have any reports like that mm-hmm. yet or not really? We've had, I mean, some of the reports that I mean, not only just me, but Lon Stickler and Phantoms and Monsters um, has been receiving reports and even MUFON's gotten into the, into the, the reports and, you know, We'll get to that in a little, little bit because MUFON's being MUFON, you know. <laughs> MUFON's being MUFON. <laughs> okay, go ahead. Yeah. Um, well, Very I mean, annoying. we both have been receiving the... Re- yeah, yeah. And, and asinine is the word that comes to mind, so. <laughs> um, but, um, Dave, um, every one of the reports that we've been getting have all been different, yet, they, you know, they all have a major similarity, a large creature... A lot of people are reporting that they say it's a bat because they say it looks like it has a membrane for a wing, kind of like a bat would. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, no feathers, no discernible, you know, avian features other than the fact that it's flying up in the air. Um, and people have said, oh, it looks like a giant bat. It could be a giant bat. But, I mean, the biggest bat in the world gets about five feet wingtip to wingtip. Well, but, yeah, the original know, Mothman sighting rare. was, uh, I believe Mothman was originally attributed to a crane or something like that. The, Sand the, Hill the, Crane. Yeah, Sand Hill Crane, which I did mm-hmm. get to see a Sand Hill Crane when I was down there, and I I can't see how, you can look at a Sand Hill Crane and go, yeah, that's a bird. That does not look like a man-type creature. Yeah, a bird. Uh, yeah, some of their asinine bird, comparison. You know. So. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, MUFON's explanation was, oh, it's somebody flying in a wingsuit. Um. And that kind of just made no sense whatsoever. Um, yeah, I, I wingsuits generally ahead. fly in in a large uncongested area because you are going like 
I don't know, 150 miles an hour or something, you know, and you don't, you really don't want to be doing that in between buildings in a city full of people that you can run into power lines or light poles or something. Sure. I guess somebody could do it, but that sounds like a dumb explanation. I could see where they would say that because of the appearance of it. Sounds worse than a dumb explanation. Yeah. But when you're grasping at straws, I mean, if I were to see somebody flying in the night that looked like that, my first, I would say, yes, I just saw a giant flying squirrel. Because they don't, mm-hmm. they look more like a flying squirrel than they do a creature. Plus, that low to the ground, if they're flying in a wingsuit that close to the ground, they're about to die. <laughs> yep. So, you know, because you got to have time I, to pull your chute out, you know. <clears throat> and see, that that is exactly what I told them when I, I was on Arcane Radio a few weeks ago. I was telling them, you know, the last two sightings happened at the lakefront near Locks on the Riverwalk, and one right at the uh, at the marina. It's right uh-huh. above the right next to the bridge that uh, holds Lakeshore Drive. So, I mean, you would have to be suicidal to pull a stunt like that on the lakefront. And number one, those bridges have 20 feet, maybe a clearance between the water and the bridge. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're not suspension bridges. They're steel bridges that hold up roadways. Most of open up to let boats by. And it's a heavy, congested area. I mean, boats all over the place, barges going everywhere. There's a lot of river traffic, a lot of buildings on both sides of the river. I mean... You would have to be suicidal to pull a stunt like that to be, you know, try to make yourself look like a, you know, a giant flying bat in in downtown. Plus, the weather conditions. I mean, the Chicago is known as the windy city, and it's, yeah, it's the other thing. Yeah, I mean, if you're in a wingsuit, you're going to you know, get tossed. Got, oh yeah, they get slammed up against a building. I mean, the, the, there's a reason why there are a lot of the streets are known as windmills. I mean, the wind gets up in between those buildings; it accelerates itself and you turn a corner and you get met with a blast of wind mm-hmm. um, that can actually slow you down. That can actually push you back in times. So somebody does that, I mean, you're just going to, you know, they made a point. You hit the wind, you're going to stall, and when the wind shifts, you're just going to free fall to the ground. So uh, You're going to die. Now, two these words, are- terminal velocity. <laughs> yes, exactly. Now, most of these sightings, or all of them, have been reported at night, correct? Has there been a daytime reported sighting? Um, I want to say about four of them. I mean, there was one reported sighting on uh, on the Little Demet River. Um, it was a father and a son who were there to uh, fish. And like they said, it was kind of funny when they reported it in. They were saying, like, we don't want to make a big deal about it, about what we saw. I mean, we weren't supposed to be there in the first place. Um, I guess they were, you know, they were trespassing on land to get to the river to go fishing. But they saw this creature uh, flying in and out of the trees and up and over one of the trestle bridges, um, disappeared behind the trees and then reappeared, you know, and like they described it, like a bat out of hell. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was in the daytime. It was about four in the afternoon. Um, the one sighting at Calumet Park, which was uh, the sighting that involved the state trooper, the Illinois state trooper, uh, he's the one who initially made the report. That was at um, like six, seven o'clock in the afternoon, so it was still light outside. Um, the two sightings with the, at the riverfront. The first one at the marina involved multiple entities. There were, they saw two creatures flying, and um, that was in uh, the early morning or the early evening. Uh, still light outside. That's what they said. It was about. 8 o'clock in the, after, in the evening when they saw it. So it was still light. Uh, and then the sighting over the river walk, 
was closer to like nine o'clock in the after, in the evening. Um, the rest of them have all been, you know, uh, have all been uh, nighttime sightings. Uh, the one at one Oz Park was early evening as well. It was dusk. She said still said that there was a light out. Um, and, you know, she said it shot up straight up in the air. Got up, well, As soon as it got up over the trees, it pretty much disappeared. Now, um, what kind of people, has there been police officers reported seeing this, public officials, firefighters, uh, paramedics, any, or, or has this been reported by just average Joes? Well, I mean, the first sighting, the lady was an attorney, um, because I did that interview myself. Um, she was a, a professional, you know, and she had had multiple years at the agency that she was at. And, you know, she was very worried about, you know, somebody finding out and disaffecting her career. Mm-hmm. Um, state troopers have seen, we've had state troopers who've seen it. Um, the lady who was at the, uh, at the Riverwalk, uh, it was seen by a mother, a daughter, and a daughter. And the mother was a CPS teacher. Mm-hmm. Um, the one with the multiple entities were college kids. Um, the one over Montrose Harbor, this is the one that actually happened, um, is a little different. This is the one that happened over the open water, near, about a mile away from Montrose Harbor on the lake. They were out there celebrating uh, you know, the husband's birthday. And they saw the entity fly over. It circled the boat a couple of times and then it flew off toward the city. Um, a few minutes later, they saw a green orb shoot from horizon to horizon, or from, um, you know, west to east uh, at, at the horizon. And they said it flew, it was brilliant green and just shot at the sky like, you know, like a bolt. Um, it could have been a fireball, but at the same time, they described it as a uh, perfectly round spear. Uh, that one, I believe the lady was, I was one of the CPS teacher, and the husband himself was... Um, a uh, working professional. Uh, he didn't describe his uh, um, occupation other than professional. And the rest have been an assortment, you know, of people, uh, truck drivers, um, uh, dock personnel. The one at the uh, Chicago Produce Market was by truck drivers and dock personnel who saw it. Um, hmm. They saw it. They reported it. They said it was making everybody uneasy, and it only left after somebody started throwing rocks at it. You throw rocks at it, okay. Uh, <laughs> you know, like you do. Let's throw rocks at it. Yeah. Nobody shot at it or anything? No, nobody's no, taking for, shots for, at it or nothing? Being, or? For, you'd be surprised. For being in Chicago, I thought somebody, especially in Humble Park, would have uh, shot at it. Because Humble Park is one of those neighborhoods you don't go into at night unless you got, you know... SEAL team with you and the body on the automatic <laughs> weapons or something. Uh, um, it's, but they saw it and they said, um, like I said, they saw it and they reported it as a Lachusa and these were a, a group of grown men with their kids. And they said that it scared the living daylight out of them. So how, what's um, the uh, general area? Like well, how is law enforcement treating this and how's the media treating it? Are they kind of like laughing at it and just dismissing it? Or is it just one of those things that's not being talked media, about anymore? It's not even being talked about as much as we have had um, Lon Stickler, Butch Witkowski, has submitted it to the media, uh, and the media hasn't really bothered with it. They're not even um, doing the ter- stereotypical story playing the X, you know, the X Files music in the background or nothing. I'm no? actually kind of glad they've not done that because <laughs> I would have lost my political shit. I hate when they do that. Uh, 
I've had some of my stories featured on, on local news, and the first thing you hear is that stupid X-Files music, you know. I just, I just at that point, uh, I'm like, it's kind of like um, anything else. I hear that music, I tune out. That's um, usually what the media does, though. Know? It's the first thing they go to. Any, like, anytime somebody sees a UFO or something like that, you hear they play the X-Files music in the background, and it's got the reporter doing the blah, 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 you know, that kind of voice or whatever. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, I just, you know, I don't, I don't like when the media does that. I mean, they don't make it, uh, they don't take it serious. Well, of course um, not. it had to be some, they had to be something on the level of like the old Harris incident where before they even start trying to take it serious. So I got to um, ask you next to uh, phone, phones, video, anything like that, camera pictures, anything, any, any kind of evidence like that, that's really surfaced. That's halfway decent. We, well, the, the signing that happened on the riverfront with the mother, the daughter, and the, the um, grandmother, uh, we got a good sketch out of it. Um, the daughter was able to give it a, um, give us a sketch. Yeah, but that's not um, a photo. They, <laughs> they tried to take photos of it, um, but they said that, you know, it was, they came out dark. Um, you really can't see anything. Um, and another thing about it is, I, I will say this, especially in Chicago, nobody is um, a lot of and a creature like this can get easily lost in the city of Chicago. No one's paying attention. Um, people are too busy aware of their surroundings, trying to you know, or too busy with their faces buried in the phone. I almost oh, ran yeah. over somebody last week read their face buried in the phone crossing the the street, um, and didn't even notice the semi truck and you know next to him before you know I honked a horn at him. Um, you know, people just don't notice these things. And uh, as this is how something like this could probably get away in the city, no one's paying attention unless they have these sightings. Um, so far, you know, with all of these, we have not gotten any really good photographic evidence. Um, the sightings at Lakeview, after we did the field investigations, I've been trying to petition the city to give me access to their video cameras because there was like six cameras in that area mm-hmm. uh it's one of those kind of like the hipster neighborhoods so you got a bunch of bars yeah you, you uh, might not get video of the creature like you might not get video of the creature yeah. but you may get video of the people reacting to something you know to at least back yeah, that exactly. part of the story up you know something yeah, along exactly. those lines and and uh so far i've not gotten a good res- i've not gotten any response i even filed the freedom of information act and um I have not received a response in, in, at all from CPD. Uh, I sent it to the city. I've, I'm still waiting for my response. Um, and until I do, you know, um, it's kind of like with UFOs. I mean, I get a lot of UFO reports. I don't get pictures. Um, it's just um, I have to treat it with a, with a grain of skepticism. But a lot of people are reporting them, and a lot of people are, you know, uh, coming with almost exactly the same story. They're seeing a large flying creature um, in all parts of the city, and it's mostly concentrated along the lakefront. So, you know, either the creature's found some kind of, if it, there is a creature, it, it's found a place to roost, um, you know, in, anywhere in the maze of labyrinths that makes up the lakefront of Chicago. You've got, you know, a lot of tunnels. You've got a lot of, uh, um, like, lower lacquer drives that run in and out of mile-long tunnels down there. Um, and a lot of this stuff is still under construction. So, I mean, something wanted to hide and not be seen, that's pretty much the place you want to go. Um, other than, the, like, maybe the industrial areas that have a lot of 
force preserves around them. But, yeah, I mean, this one is the latest one. Like I said, the one I told you, we just, I actually haven't even updated the site just yet. Um, I'm actually doing that as we're speaking right now. <laughs> but this one, like you said, was seen right over uh, Shed Aquarium. Well, let me, and to go back area, to earlier, so, when we were talking about the wind mm-hmm. and, and the high winds that are in Chicago, again, it would be the same effect as somebody flying through there with a windsuit where people are going to get buffered with this wind. Is there any reports of this thing being tossed around, or does it appear to have properties that make it immune to the environment for the most part? Like, is this, because it sounds like it's something just, it, it goes back to that thing where is this just something interacting with our consciousness to screw with us? Because you have reports of, like, mm-hmm. UFOs doing kinds of maneuvers that shouldn't be aeronautically possible and things like that. Is that the same kind of feel that you're getting from this thing? Yes. And I mean, especially with uh, with UFOs. I mean, you get a lot of reports of the UFOs that either do, are doing, they're doing uh, high-speed maneuvers and then shifting on a dime, you know, which, you know, yeah, granted, our jets can do sort of similar to it, but without blacking nope. out. Yeah, not that. you can't you black can't out. You can't physics. We don't have that. We're not made of that stuff. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, that's the one thing. You can't make an abrupt turn without changing the laws of physics. But Oh, I've seen it happen. Don't do worry. <laughs> <laughs> we can see it. We can I do can it. relate to that you feeling. Know, like, yeah, you can bank a jet at Mach 3, but you're just going to kill the pilot in the process. Yeah. You know, yep. We'll make him black out, and he's going to crash. Um I've also seen reports where they're saying, oh, it was just leisurely going along, I would say maybe 20, 25 miles an hour, um, and this thing just flew over. No, our planes don't do that. 25 miles an hour, and it becomes a brick. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, 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 uh-huh. I've seen things react that way. I know where you're coming from. <laughs> but yeah, the, the Mothman seen, sightings that you're having now, they, they generally are, are exhibiting that same kind of behavior, though, for the most part, I would assume, or, or no. Like when people reported this... Yeah. I mean, are you getting like, what was the weather like when you saw this kind of thing? You know, are they seeing them in high winds? Are they seeing them? Are there any patterns to any of this? Well, uh, the one with uh, the one that was seen over the um, the latest one that happened with the jogger near Main Pier, she stated, you know, there had just been storms in the area. There was there were still visible uh, clouds and lightning over the over the lake itself, um, and that area itself, you know. <laughs> It is windy. There are build, big buildings in that area, you know, that you get wind off of. Um, the one with um, the law enforcement officer, he stated you know, the wind was, there was no wind. There was, it was a clear day. You know, there were no, there were no uh, clouds in the sky. It was dusk. You know, he, he gave, like a uh, police officer would, he gave me a, a very detailed description. Um, none of these have ever had any problems with, saying that with the wind or anything like that. A few have said, like, I've seen it flapping, you know, you hear it flapping its wings or you hear a whoosh um, as it goes over, but nothing like like that. And that also brings me to the wingsuit uh, theory. Um, these squirrel suits, especially for the one with the multiple entities that were seen over the, do- over the marina, the, the report says that they... It was, they saw one and then they saw the second one, and they were doing like figure eights, kind of circling each other. Um, I was going to say, are they hovering or anything like that? Or is, you know, is there? No, they're, they're in flight, you know, but it started, they started when they were first seen, they were just above the water level, you know, like skirting right above the water level. 
Evan shot up into the sky and started kind of circling around each other, kind of hmm. doing figure eights. The lady said it was actually looked very beautiful, like they were dancing with each other. But you can't do, you can't do that in a wingsuit at all. At a, you know, like you said, at speeds of 150 miles an hour, you clip each other, you both die. Um, you could possibly, you know, at that speed, you know, you're going to do great bodily damage to one another. Well, they just don't um, control that way either. Think. You can't. Yeah, you're not yeah, going to be. You, you don't go up and rotate around one another. That you just they they don't work that way. You can go on YouTube and yeah. watch videos of people in wingsuits and go, "Wow, that looks really cool. I'd like to do that." Until you hit the ground going really fast, then it's not so fun anymore. Yeah. But wingsuits yeah. just don't work yeah. that way. You know, they just you got to jump no, off of I'm something really it. high too. You know, I I don't know. It just I can see where the explanation yeah. is coming from, but you're kind of reaching at that point. You know. But the thing is, like, the one with the, the riverfront one, um, the ladies described it as flying above the water, then going up and over the Columbus Street Bridge, and then back down on the water. A, you can't do that with a wind because you lose all your momentum in the process mm-hmm. you know, of changing altitude. You lose all your velocity. Uh, you're not going to be, the next thing that's going to happen is you're going to be kissing the water because you're going to hit the water at, because you have no way to keep going. Yeah. Plus, um, I, I did a lot of research into that when when that explanation from MUFON came through and talked to a lot of people who were, you know, in the wingsuit business. They were in, they were experts in this. And they, like they pointed out, when I showed them the bridge, they said, the first off, they said the person would be suicidal. You'd be dead pulling a stunt like this. Number two, whoever had to do it had to have jumped out of a plane at a relatively high height but close into the air, to the lakefront. The entire lakefront of Chicago is a no-fly zone, except for the Coast Guard and the, and the Chicago Police Department. Mm-hmm. Uh, no other planes are allowed in that area. You, you do see, uh, you do see um, planes that are going into O'Hare. They're on the glide path, you know, the land at O'Hare, but they're three, four miles out on the lake. Unless it would be somebody like um, pulling a base jumping stunt off of a building or something like that. But even still, to do that at night with, with the wind that that kind of city has, I could see it happening, mm-hmm. but it's just it's just not likely. You know, I, I don't know. And, over, and you also have to think about the security. These buildings don't just let you in mm-hmm. uh, at all. I mean, Sears Tower, I, I've worked at Sears Tower before. I, I, you, just to get to my office, I had to pass four security checkpoints. You know, have my bags inspected. Have you know, have them open for for inspection. Or go onto a uh, X-ray machine. Mm-hmm. What makes you think that someone's going to walk into the place at nine, ten o'clock at night uh, without the authorization to get and then try to get up to the roof? Yeah. Um, and even then, I mean, I worked on the fifty-first floor, and when you're looking out and it's snowing outside and the snow is not falling down, it's falling up because it's getting the wind hitting the building. You know, jumping off of a jumping off of a the Sears Tower would be suicide. Um, the wind would buffet you, slam you back up against the building, or you'd hit the federal building across the street. Um, but still, you, you go back to much, you, you have know. to have on a wingsuit. You have to have your your chute deployed by so many feet, or because the mm-hmm. velocity you have, if you open up your chute and you're that close to the ground, you're just you're going to die because a parachute isn't going to have enough time yeah. to be able to buffer the weight that you have and the force that you're going pulling you away from the ground. Well, let me ask you, um, Lobo, did you have anything you wanted to ask here or anything that before, before we let him go? 
No, I'm just fascinated by everything he's covered. Yeah, you've really done a good thorough amount of work here. What is your opinion so far of what these sightings are? How many of them do you think are, you don't have to go into specifics, but how many of these sightings do you think are actual legitimate sightings of high strangeness as opposed to how many people are just calling in and pranking and saying, hey, I, I saw a Mothman, <laughs> you know? How, many, how much do you think they're all legit? How many of these do you get a feel are legit and how many of them aren't? I honestly think that, I mean, some of the later ones I I, ha, I do have, uh, I do have uh, some kind of um, skepticism on it. But the earlier ones, I want to say of the sixteen that we've had, maybe eleven. I I really do believe are legitimate. I mean, both have been taken, like I said, by me and Lon. Um, those have been we've vetted each and every one of them. I mean. We, you ask questions to try to misdirect them. You try to ask questions to give them, you know, ask them to embellish it, you know, give them the opportunity to embellish, and they don't embellish. They stick with their stories. So either they're really good at lying uh, or they legitimately saw, you know, what's being seen. Um, Oz Park, the very first one, I interviewed that lady myself, and, you know, you could tell, the, you could tell that the... Um, you know, there was a lot of, um, how do I say it, a lot of fear in her voice. You know, even then, I mean, she um, was legitimately frightened, right? And she felt uneasy talking about it even after, you know, a couple of weeks after the sighting. Um, what kind of stuck me, you know, kind of gave us credibility is her talking about her dog. Um she said she came into the park. The park is usually filled with the sound of birds, you know, you know, animals, stuff like that. And she said it was dead silent. And her dog didn't want anything to do with that park. It didn't even want to be there. And um, kind of struck, struck me as strange, especially after did some research. But the dog itself in the sighting was a Jack Russell Terrier. Um, Jack Russell's, um, for being small in statute and stuff like that, they're not known to back down. Uh, yeah, they're, they're little they're shits. Dogs, you know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, they're high energy hunting dogs, but they're not going to, they're known to defend their, their masters, you know, um, and they're not known to back down. Um, this dog was horrible. This dog was terrified. She basically dragged this dog um, to the park, and when they had the sightings, the dog, uh, who is usually, you know, pretty quick to defend her, you know, and stand by her side, wanted nothing to do with it. it she, he was powering behind her. So that, in essence, also leads a lot of, uh, you know, lends a lot of credibility. Um, Calumet Park sighting, I mean, that was a, you know, a state trooper. That had, you know, why would he endanger his, you know, career lying to me, you know, about something like this? So I want to say 80%, you know, the ones I have truly followed up on, I, I really want to say that they have an air of credibility to them. And, yeah, I'm sure we have a few that are, you know, bandwagoners that have jumped on, jumped on. But I think in a good for a good part, we have a, a very serious flap going on in Chicago. Um, and these are, um, you know, credible, you know, eyewitness accounts. Hmm. All right, well, we're going to let you go because we've had you on here for close to 40 minutes, which is a lot longer than I expected to have you on here. Uh, you want to? Yeah, it's, 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 it was nice to talk to you because you're, you, you, you do go out and do the legwork. 
Um, do you want to promote your website and talk about where people can find you and, you know, give yourself a shout out for, you know, all the stuff you do? Oh, yeah. Thank you. Uh, you can always find me at, uh, well, you can find me on Facebook and the Scorpion King. Uh, but you can also find me at UFO Clearinghouse at uh, UFO Clearinghouse. Um, sorry, I got it right here. UFO Clearinghouse.wordpress.com. And you can also find UFO Clearinghouse on Facebook. It seems it's your page has been pretty active on Facebook lately. I've seen a lot of people post a lot of stuff on there. You're developing a nice little following on there, so congratulations yeah. on that. But uh, thank you so much. We're gonna let you go. Thanks for coming on here and talking about all this stuff with you. And if anything else develops, you know where to find us at. I will promise you, you guys will be the first ones to know. <laughs> Thanks, Thanks hermano. Gracias, hermano. I'll talk to you later. Peace. You got it. Tell us a story, Ranger Jet. Oh, okay. I could tell you about the time I locked eyes with Sasquatch, or about my brush with the elusive Chupacabra. Then there was that encounter with the Mothman. Yeah, tell us about the Mothman. Of course, I once saw a lake monster and a sea monster on the same day. Wow! That's not even taking all the ghosts, aliens, and UFOs into account. You've seen all that as a park ranger. <laughs> no, son. Those are the creatures I've encountered in my cryptid crate. What's a cryptid crate? Cryptid Crate is a monthly subscription box that arrives on your doorstep each and every month. It's filled with various cryptozoology and paranormal themed items such as t-shirts, hats, art, media, and other collectibles. I want a Cryptid Crate. Yeah, I want one too. You can get yours by visiting www.cryptidcrate.com. Sign up is quick and easy and shipping is always free. I can't wait to get my Cryptid Crate, but for now, how about that story? Want to get in contact with the show or listen to back episodes? It's easy. Go to www.projectarchivist.com. On the right side of the page, you'll find links to our archives, as well as links on how to get onto our Facebook page and follow us on Twitter. If you want to leave a voicemail for us, it's 734-681-0459. Yes, we do listen to all of them. Or if you want to talk to Lobo directly, you can call 203-212-9975. Yes, that will in fact put you in touch with his cell phone. If he's available, he will take your call and talk to you. If you're just looking to send us an email, you can do that at projectarchivist at gmail.com. Don't forget to look for us on iTunes under the podcast section, or you can stream us right to your phone with the Stitcher Android app for free. So, following up about hearing unidentified flying objects, mothmen, strange creatures, and so forth... We're going to move along to an article that could very well, as always, be fake news, which is the intellectualist.com or intellectualist.co. Sure, that'll work. Um, this one is, in the U.S., 12 million Americans believe that the world is run by lizards from outer space. Uh, actually, the article comes from The Guardian and is being rerun by this website. According to a public policy polling survey, about 12 million people in the U.S. believe that interstellar lizards in people suits rule our country. <sighs> we imported that particular belief from across the pond where professional conspiracy theorist David Icke, go there, Icke, uh, has long maintained that the Queen of England is a blood-drinking, shape-shifting alien. That is exactly what it says, too. I'm not I'm, mm -hmm. I'm embellishing. Sure does. Conspiracy theories in general, I'm sorry, cons yeah, conspiracy theories in general are not necessarily bad, according to psychologists who study them. Wrong. Uh, if we are all completely trusting, it would not be a, it would not be good for survival, explains Rob Brotherton, an academic psychologist and author of Suspicious Minds, Why We Believe in Conspiracy Theories. Sometimes people really don't have our, our best interests in mind. Should have uh, that guy on. 
Yeah, no kidding. Uh, but when people leap from thinking their boss is trying to undermine them to believing that their boss might be a secret lizard person, they probably cross from the psychologists refer to as <laughs> prudent paranoia into <laughs> illogical territory. Uh and there are a lot of ideological ideas to pick from. Around 66 million Americans believe that the aliens landed at Roswell, New Mexico. Around 22 million people believe that the government faked the moon landing. And around 160 million believe that there is a conspiracy surrounding the assassination of former U.S. President John F. Kennedy. I'm, I'm sort of in the John F. Kennedy realm of things. I'm not 100% into that, but I, I can see John F. Kennedy being offed by the government at the time. But I'm not going to elaborate into that uh while aliens and fake moon landings probably trigger eye rolls in many of us like we've been doing since we started reading this article and my Ooh. brain is starting to hurt defining what constitutes a conspiracy theory is difficult brotherton says the government for example does sometimes conspire to do unspeakable such as infamous 1930s tuskegee study tuskegee study initiated mm -hmm. by the u.s government to examine untreated syphilis in african-american men researchers block the research participants from receiving penicillin or existing or extending exiting the experiment to get treatment the study continued until the media report made it public in this case believing that the government was conspiring to keep people sick would have been completely accurate there mm -hmm. are characteristics that help differentiate a conspiracy theory from a prudent paranoia brotherton says conspiracy theories tend to depend on conspirators who are unduly evil he explains with genocide or world domination as a motive conspiracy theories also tend to assign an unusually high level of competency to the conspirators brotherton adds pointing out that when the government really does shady stuff it is often it often isn't able to keep it secret um, chances are, we all know someone who believes in some version of conspiracy theory, which is a, which is why psychologists have been trying to understand what makes someone jump from logical questioning to the world, looking for signs of lizard teeth and public <laughs> figures. Have you seen the videos on YouTube yes. where it's got the shape shifting yes. news reporter and all that yes. junk? Seen them all. Uh, reach. Oh God. Research has shown that feelings of powerlessness and uncertainty are associated with the tendency to believe in conspiracies, say Karen Douglas, professor of social psychology at the University of Kent in the UK. Wow, that is a really You were going to say sentence. us. Yeah, you I was going to say us. Uh. <laughs> to stop. Well, no, as I was reading it, I'm like, that's a really long sentence as I'm reading it. And then I'm like, uh, I mean, UK. Um, I almost said Oklahoma. Um, oh, Oklahoma. Sucks. Or as Joseph E., I can't pronounce that last person's name, but it ends with Ski, Associate Professor of Political Science at the University of Miami and author of the American Conspiracy Theories, puts it in Conspiracies Are for Losers. <sighs> conspiracies Are for Losers. I can't do a Donald Trump voice at no, all. No, you can't. At all. Sad. <laughs> uh, I don't mean it in a... Per pejorative sense, I would have got it. Thank you. But people who are out of power, <laughs> thank you, fucked me up. People who are, are okay. out of power use conspiracy theories to strategically alert their side to danger, to close ranks and solve the wounds. Oh, uh, something ski. Okay, Usinski explains. Think an election the morning after half the country says the election was rigged and the other half is happy. Ding. That certainly Bad. wouldn't happen here. Uh, believing in a conspiracy theory is one of the is one strategy people use to regain a sense of control, even if the conspiracy theory is unrelated. What caused the lack of control in a person's life? Brotherton says. 
Conspiracy theories are a way for someone to understand what is going on in the world and try to restore some sense of control into his or her life, he explains. Because nothing makes me feel like I have control of my life than thinking that our government is run by lizards. Lizards. And to finish it off... To finish it all off, oh, see the rest of the story here. No, it's already pretty long. Uh, studies also find a relationship between a certain type of open-mindedness and a tendency to believe in a conspiracy theories. People who believe in these also believe in New Age dogmas, urban legends, and all sorts of slightly unorthodox ideas, and are sometimes named Jesse Ventura. Brotherton explains, unsurprisingly, wow. a tendency to be suspicious and not to trust people or institutions is also positively correlated with a how likely someone is to believe in a conspiracy theory. He's that fearsome. article was a lot longer than I thought it would be and had big he, words he, and long sentences. You bit off more than you could chew. And as many of you know, speaking English as a first language is very difficult for me. So, moving on, in celebration... Speaking English as any language is <laughs> very difficult for you. Uh in celebration of your 22 years of sobriety now? Is it 22 or 23? 22. 22. And as I always like to say every year that we say that, we should celebrate by me going out and buying you a drink. Moving on. Coca-Cola. <laughs> yes. Um, funny you should say that. <laughs> Cocaine is a hell of a drug. Let's hell move on to you reading the article about snortable chocolate arrives in U.S. stores, <laughs> wow. which brings new, new meaning to the term candied up your nose. But did you see what it says underneath it? The cacao powder is cut with energy drink stimulants. Oh, great. Yeah, I'll be not doing that. Coco Loco has recently launched in Orlando, Florida. Of course it's in Orlando, Florida. Coco Loco. One of the first things you notice after opening a jar of Coco Loco is that it looks a lot like hot chocolate mix. Snorting a line of the brown powder with specks of white confirms its familiar flavor, followed by a rush of energy. Oh uh, just what Florida needs. <laughs> Americans are beginning to see the product alongside candy bars and energy pills at local shops as a Florida company, Legal Lean, moves to take European club drug trend mainstream. <sighs> I can see it taking off. <laughs> Choice words. As long as it doesn't get too controversial, says Nick Anderson, director of marketing for the five-person Orlando company. Five people. Five people are making this. I'm going to trust the hell out of that. Rule number one, don't get high on your own supply. We learned that from Scarface. You learned that firsthand. We feel like we're cutting the edge off in what we're doing. No, you got to reread that. You read that wrong. We feel like we're cut. Oh, we're cutting edge in what we're doing. Cutting oh. edge off of what we're doing. Okay. <laughs> never mind. Uh, I, never, I never blew lines. I never did that. Not I of, them. <laughs> not in Coke. Not in Coke. I did it of other things, but not in Coke. Snorting chocolate has received significant international attention since 2007 when Belgian chocolatier Dominique Persoon uh, created a device he calls the chocolate shooter to snort cacao, not cacao. What? Cocoa. Oh, to short, snort cocoa, not cacao powder. <laughs> God damn it. Health-conscious European club goers separately uh, use raw cacao in pills and drinks for a mildly euphoric energizing effect. What? Oh, I know what that is. Never mind. I'm reading that wrong. That's Coca. <laughs> I wasn't going to say anything, but uh, go ahead. Didn't spell it right, though. Cacao. That's cacao. Not co Never mind. Which is processed cacao, cacao. more heat than cocoa, uh, retaining more beneficial nutrients. Raw cacao is uh, hailed as a superfood full of mood lifting. Oh, my God. Anandamide and phenylethylamine. I don't know. Whatever. <laughs> 
cognition-assisting flavonoids, and muscle-relaxing magnesium. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> magnesium on fire. It doesn't doesn't relax anything. Cacao can, can be produced or purchased on Amazon.com or at Walmart. Of course it's at Walmart. Until now, however, powder specifically intended for snorting has not been a mass market, not been I read that right. Has not been a mass market product in the U.S. It sounds like I was using this shit. Coco Loco is Cacao was a hell of a drug. <laughs> hell of a drug. The label listed B vitamins, ginkgo biloba, uh, blood flow improving amino acid L-garganine, and energy drink stimulants guarana and taurine. Taurine is made from bull semen. Uh, it hits you quicker when you snort it. Yeah, of course it does, Anderson says. Though it also can be made into a drink. But why would you want to do that? Nestle, quick in the nose. Uh, the small round container of Coco Loco, which uh, have a list price of twenty four ninety nine. Oh my God. Old 10, ser 10 servings. That's a ripoff. How about I give you a nickel and you let me lick it? According to the label. But even a small amount have a noticeable effect. Great. Just drink Death Wish coffee. I've gotten really good reviews. Oh, it's gotten... Man, I'm having a hard time tonight, yeah, isn't I? Me tonight. It's Mothman. <laughs> it's gotten really good reviews. It's like having a lot of chocolate without the calories. Oh, my God. Says leader of a large alcohol distributor company that's helping with sales. <laughs> of course it is. Why, God? Sure, why not? Uh, he asked not to be named because beverages are the firm's primary business. Jesus Christ. Uh, already, the recently launched product is found in new, in a few convenience stores and dozens of head shops. You don't say. Building on Legal Lean's distribution network for sedating sipping syrup, popular among young hip-hop fans, and products infused with a non-psychoactive cannabis compound, cannabinoid. Okay, sure. Anderson says some of the stores allow literature to do the talking about chocolate snorting for fear of potential liability if consumers claim sinus problems. Anything you put in your nose that ain't supposed to be there is going to cause problems. Chocolate boogers. Dr. Andrew Lane, director of rhinology, that is a real thing, and sinus surgery at John Hopkins School of Medicine, however, says he is not aware of any studies showing harm from inhaling any of these ingredients, nor any scientific evidence that there is a benefit. I like that. Specifically addressing the inhalation of cacao, taurine, and guarana. Uh, look at these morons. The length and time using cacao powder doesn't necessarily change the health consequences, or lack thereof, although a high concentration of powder at high frequencies may be more likely to cause a uh, concretion to form, which is, as we all know, like having a small block of cement in your nostril, Lane says in, a, in an email. Such a concretion caused by the powder turning into a solid mass might be hard to dislodge and become a nidus for infection and sinus blockage. In theory, putting anything in your nose could cause irritation, inflammation, and possibly lead to bothersome symptoms. Sneezing, stuffiness, drainage, maybe pain, pressure, Lane adds. Lane downplays recent concerns about maggots living in sinuses as a result of what? children inhaling Smarties. Doesn't happen. He says the person would need to inhale insect eggs, and that even then it would be unlikely to not get swallowed or blown out before turning into a maggot. Yeah, it was... a it was a load of junk. You could actually watch the videos for it. It's all bullshit. Last year, spokespeople from the Drug Enforcement Agency or Administration and the Food and Drug Administration told U.S. News the agencies are unable to regulate snortable chocolate. 
The DEA said it only regulates control, controlled substance, and the FDA said it only regulates food if it's marketed for con- customary consumption. Charlie, of course his name is Charlie. I was going to say, I'm suspecting <laughs> something now. Okay, this sounds. This is starting to sound fraudulent. Uh, it's Those containers look real. Mm-hmm. The co-owner of the five-store chain of head shops in Orlando called it called Up in Smoke. Up in Smoke is real. We have an Up in Smoke here in Connecticut. Says Coco Loco has been catching on. He estimated he has sold more than 200 containers sold to customers of various ages and races. It's been uh, it's been all different people, says Charlie, who asked that his last name not be printed. Of course, because it's Chun. I have a lot of repeat customers who like it. There have been some people unexpected who have heard of it. Older women surprise me sometimes. <laughs> That would, I would, uh, Golden Girls old or Anderson says the company has big plans for expansion and is working in distributors in the Midwest and across the South. In addition to making direct sales to stores, the cost is less than a Belgian chocolate shooter, which can be purchased online for about $50 with powders with the price of shipping more than double doubling the cost. Uh, As of last year, no U S shops carry the item. The price probably is high enough, however, to keep the product from landing in every teenager's pocket. Really? <clears throat> the distributor worked, working closely with Anderson says convenience stores generally have difficulty selling items for more than $15, meaning Coco Loco may see sales more similar to premium products like tobacco snuff than cans of Red Bull. I'm looking online. That's why if, if anybody's hearing my keyboard click and my mouse click, I'm trying to find any place that sells Coco Loco. I'm coming across a chain of Mexican restaurants, uh, Coco Loco Mexican Grill, Coco Loco Jewelry, Coco Loco Mexican Bar and Grill. Uh, I'm not seeing anything on here. Let me see here. Uh, Shopping, Coco Loco Shopping. Coco Loco Potting Mix, Coco Loco... Yeah, it's all I'm seeing is potting mix. I'm not seeing anything about where to go buy this stuff Mm because I would buy this stuff and send it out to you. (laughs) I <laughs> uh, after finding out what's in it, nope. Uh, let's see here. I don't drink energy drinks either, so. Yeah, I've cut back. I'm on Walmart.com, and it's not there either, so. I'm, well, it's in, this is in U.S. News. U.S. News could be a fake site, though. I think it might be one of the fake sites. Could be. I'm calling bullshit on this. I think this might be a bullshit story. Oh, 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 hold on a second. Coco Loco is real. Where's it They at? sell it on Amazon. No, I was just on Amazon. Send me a link in the ch- send me a link in the window. I can't. I'm on my Amazon Prime account right now. Oh my god. Coco Loco infused snuff, 1.25 ounce container, no tobacco, no nicotine, 24.99, free shipping. Oh man, my, it's real. My fingers twitching. It's real, and right. it got two stars because it says it's crap. What are the reviews? How many reviews uh, are there? There's two. Hold on a second. Uh, no, there's one. Well, the white chocolate stuff is better, but it's only available from local retailers. Okay. There's one review. It got two stars. Wow. It's real. You can buy it on Amazon right now. I need to go search for this kind of I might I need to go search for this thing. This this twenty four ninety nine. One of these days I'm gonna do an episode and you're gonna be like rattling away on a story and I'm like <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, okay, what, what what are we reading now? Just what? do this week quick, man. God, no. Jesus Christ. The whole idea of me snorting. If, if I got Coco Loco, I would snort this stuff on the air. I, I would take one You're for the team. You're shot. 
I would take one for the team and snort some cocoa. Yeah, and you know what? With your history and your blood pressure, you'd die of a heart attack. I don't think so. I don't think so. Uh, I don't know. Well, why don't you here carry us over to the next one, which I'll let you introduce since it's related. This is from OregonLive.com, and it's just these. I want to get off the planet now. Millions of people think chocolate milk comes from brown cows. Fuck me. I mean, really? (laughs) 7%. Of all American adults believe that chocolate milk comes from brown cows, according to a nationally representative online survey commissioned by the Innovative Center of U.S. Dairy. If you do the math, that works out to about 16.4 million misinformed milk drinking people, the equivalent of the population of Pennsylvania, and then some, does not know that chocolate milk is milk, cocoa, and sugar. But while the survey has attracted snorts and jeers from some corners, um, guys, milk comes from cows, and not just from the brown kind, snarked food and wine. The most surprising thing about this figure may actually be that it isn't higher. For decades, observers in agriculture and nutrition education have griped that many Americans are basically agriculturally illiterate. I liked how you couldn't say agriculturally illiterate, but go ahead. they, They don't know where food is grown, how it gets to stores, or even in the case of chocolate milk, what's in it. I mean, never mind. One Department of Agriculture study commissioned in the early 90s found that nearly one in five adults did not know that hamburgers are made from beef. Many more lacked familiarity with basic farming facts like how big U.S. farms typically are and what food animals eat. Experts in AG education aren't convinced that much has changed in the intervening decades. Uh, at the end of the day, it is an exposure issue, said Cecily Upton, a co-founder of the nonprofit Food Corps, which brings agriculture, agricultural and nutrition education into elementary schools. Right now, we're conditioned to think that if you need food, you go to the store. Nothing in our educational framework teaches kids where food comes from before that point. This is why I'm happy I live in New England. Upton and other educators are quick to caution that these conclusions don't apply across the board. Studies have shown that people who live in agricultural communities tend to know a bit more about where their food comes from. Well, duh. As do people with higher educational levels and household incomes. But in some populations, confusion about basic food facts can skew pretty high. When one team of researchers interviewed 4th, 5th, and 6th graders at an urban California high school... Oh... They found that more than half of them didn't know pickles were cucumbers or that onions and lettuce were plants. Oh, my. Kill me now. Four in ten didn't know that hamburgers came from cows and three in ten didn't know that cheese is made from milk. Oh, my God. Darwin is definitely not doing his job. All informants recalled the names of common foods in raw form and most new foods were grown on farms or in gardens, the researchers concluded. They didn't. They did not, however, possess. Uh, what is that schema? <laughs> sure. <laughs> Necessary to the, to articulate the understanding of. I think that's spelt wrong. Of post production uh, activities, nor the agricultural crop origin of common foods. I'm sure it will be corrected. Don't worry. I'm sure. In some ways, the ignorance is perfectly logical. The writer and historian Anne Valesis has argued that it developed in lockstep with the industrial food system. As more Americans move into cities in the mid-1800s, she writes in the book Kitchen Literacy, fewer were involved with food production or processing. That trend has exacerbated 
was exacerbated by innovations in transportation and manufacturing that made it, it made it possible to ship foods in different forms and over great distances. By the time uniformity, hygiene, and brand loyalty became modern ideals, the latter frequently uh, encouraged by emerging food companies in well-funded and campaigns, many Americans couldn't imagine origins of the box cereal or shrink-wrapped hot dogs in their kitchens. Today, many Americans only experience food as an industrial product that doesn't look much like the original animal or plant. I don't know. Pigs are kind of round and tubular like a hot dog. The USDA says orange juice is the most popular fruit in America and processed potatoes in the form of french fries and chips rank among the top vegetables. Okay. Uh, potatoes aren't technically a vegetable. Are they? They're starch. Anyway. No, they're, uh, they're a vegetable. They're a starch. They're a starchy vegetable. They're a starch. They're still a vegetable. They're a starch. This is like the big... Dude, you can't count potatoes as a vegetable. Oh, my God. If that's the case, you can just put them in your... Okay, what's for dinner tonight? Oh, we're going to have french fries. Great. I'm up on my daily vegetable intake. Oh, wait. I I think it's a vegetable. I'm not... Uh, I don't know. Whatever. Go ahead. It's a starch. Indifference. It's it's right alongside bread and stuff. (laughs) It... Dude. All right, so you know I'm what? I'm going to shut up because we could take this argument a long way. This article is really long. <laughs> Indifferent, yeah, dude, you keep giving me these gigantic things. Indifference about the origins of production of foods, no, nah, I doubt that highly, became a norm in urban culture, laying the groundwork for modern food sensibility that would spread all across America in the decades that followed. That woman wrote in the 20th century, within the relatively brief period, the average distance from the farm to the kitchen had grown from a short walk down the garden path to a convoluted 1,500-mile energy-guzzling <laughs> journey by rail and truck. Well, if they had the Coco Loco, they'd have more energy. The past 20 years have seen the birth of movement to reverse this gap, with agriculture and nutrition groups working to get AG education back in classrooms. <sighs> Aside yeah, you can food, end this article at any point, you know. <laughs> uh, I'm already, dude, I'm already wasting it. Aside from Food Corps, which worked with slightly more than 100,000 students this year, groups from the National Agriculture and Classroom Organization and the American Farm Bureau Foundation are actively working with K-12 teachers across the country to add nutrition, farm technology, and agri- agricultural economics to lessons in, nutri- uh, in social studies, science, and health. The USDA Farm to... Uh, school program, which awarded $5 million in grants for the 2017-2018 school year on Monday, also funds projects for our agriculture education. For National Dairy Month, which is in June, let's all have some cheese, NACO has been featuring a kindergarten-level lesson on dairy among its many uh, its main takeaways, milk, plain, unflavored, boring white milk comes from cows, not the grocery case. All right, I'm going to cut it off there because oh. this thing goes on for another, I don't know, four paragraphs, and I'm quite sure, we've, quite sure that we've lost everybody at this point. They're all gone. The bottom line is, and I'll finish off the article, we still get kids who are surprised that French fries come from a potato or, what a pickle, or that a pickle is a cucumber, she said. Knowledge is power. Without it, we can't make informed decisions. So Jesus. Nobody knows where their food comes from anymore from the sounds of it. And people actually believe that chocolate milk comes from brown cows because we've done that to our kids. We've gone by and said, hey, look, a brown cow. That's where chocolate milk comes from. And kids go, oh, yeah. Wow, dude, you're evil. I did it to my kids. That's Uh, terrible. So let's move on to what schools are doing to kids. And this will be the last story for the show. We'll wrap it up at this point. Mm -hmm. 
And this one's coming from theindependent.co.uk. School forced to apologize after pupils told to write their own suicide notes. Children at the Tallis School in southeast London gave a task as part of their studies on Shakespeare's, Shakespeare's Macbeth play. Now, I'm cooked from listening to you read all that. A school ah. in London has come under fire after telling 60 teenage pupils to write their own suicide notes during an English class assignment. What the hell? Mm. Uh, the task was given a part of it this year's group studies on Shakespeare's Macbeth, in which Lady Macbeth dies by self and violent hands. Uh, okay. Uh, my scroll button is messed up. Senior staff at Thomas Tillis School in Kenbrook apologize for upsetting students, some of whom are said to have friends who have taken their own lives. Of course, that is why you don't do this. Not to mm -hmm. mention kids have mental problems and some kids may be contemplating suicide. It's just a fact of life and how things are now. Uh, one mother said three of her daughter's friends had killed themselves and that her daughter was very distressed after being asked to write a note. She said that she complained to school as soon as her daughter told her about the task. On uh, that what universe yeah, on what universe was it a very good idea to ask a group of teenagers to write suicide notes, she said in a local newspaper's uh, news shopper. Wow, that school's got a UFO in the middle of it. Did you see the picture? It's got like a silver domed yeah, know, it's strange. It's weird. Uh, at least two classes have done this assignment. My daughter is very outspoken, but there are other kids not as vocal who might be suffering from depression. And they said, it's fine for children to learn Shakespeare, but it is certainly not fine to get them to write suicide notes. Whoever came up with this needs to go back to a teacher training college. Uh, tell us teacher, school t head teacher Carolyn Roberts said, action had been taken and that similar projects would not happen again. A parent contacted us with concerns about written exercise given to class during studies by, of a play by Shakespeare, she said. We appreciate that the exercise was upsetting to the family. Will you appreciate that? Oh, yeah, we, it's exactly what it says. We, I had to reread that. We appreciate mm -hmm. that the exercise was upsetting to the family and have discussed subject matter and approach with the teaching staff. I met with the parents last week and apologize wholeheartedly on behalf of the school. What a freaking stupid idea. Yeah, well, I mean, I we mean, all know somebody that has. Yeah, but I can understand it as a practice when covering Macbeth. I can understand that. Should it have been written as a suicide note for the child? No, it's a bad but idea. It's a it, in this circumstance, yes, I do think it would. Be, it's a bad it's idea. It's a bad idea. I I don't. <laughs> this is just dumb. I mean. <laughs> <laughs> What did I want to call the show this week? Exercises in Futility on the Chicago Mothman? I think I'm going to stick with that. I would. Yeah, seems about right. <laughs> All right, so let's wrap this up. Okay, we've, uh... all right. Now, before, before we do this, okay, this is right from the Heart Foundation. You didn't really think that chips could count towards your daily five for vegetables, did you? Oh my Nor God. do any other potato dishes. Go. Though sweet potato does count. Try sweet potatoes in your mashed potatoes. I do. Whole, baked, or as wedges. I, I love sweet potato fries and stuff. What, do you, what are you getting at here? You don't like potatoes sweet... Potatoes don't count as your vegetable for the day. It's a plant, though. I don't understand. That's like... So are most of our listeners. Our, our listeners are plants. And vegetables. Okay. And we wonder why we can't get any more reviews on iTunes. This is... <laughs> I don't wonder at all. It's funny because I was, okay, we're done with all of that we're for now. Done. <laughs> we're done. But I was on Twitter and I was talking to Brent from over at Hysteria 51 and, um, you know, the, um, the guys over at Travel Oddities and 
um, secret transmissions. Yeah, yeah. And I was talking on there about how we don't like these guys are pretty new in podcasting, but they've all got like 70 and 80 reviews on iTunes and we've got like 20 and that's about all we ever get. We've, we've, we've kind of always hovered at 20 reviews on iTunes. And I'm like, I'm really bummed because like you guys are all new to this and you guys have all these great reviews and we've got nothing. <laughs> and they're like, yeah, but you still got 20 reviews. And I'm like, we've been doing this for six years now. <laughs> Which yeah, goes I back to my really point. Know. I'm like, why can't we get reviews on iTunes? Which, by the way, if you're listening to this through iTunes, please go and give us a review. We really do need more reviews. No, we don't. Seriously, we're dying. We need reviews on iTunes. Or whatever you get our show from, just give us a review. Stitcher, whatever. Just go give us reviews. Anyways. Um, yeah, I think that's going to be it for the, for the week. I'm going to, I'm going to end the show out with that song that I found. I need to, I do need to thank, um, Brent over at hysteria 51, which we give these guys a lot of shout outs. They really are a great show. They're funny. They are a hysterically funny podcast. They're very much in our vein. And I would even say in some ways much better than us. They are a very funny show, but Brent posted this, um, this song from Alex Jones that somebody took him ranting about chemicals oh. in the water turning frogs gay and I thought it was hysterical so that's what we're going to close the show out oh with this God. week so thank you Brent <laughs> but uh, I think that's everything I'm going to try to get an episode here for the next couple of weeks into the Patreon of, of one form or another I've got I said I wasn't going to do any more guest appearances on other shows but people are suckering me into it so it looks like pretty soon I'm going to be popping up back on Ozone Nightmare again uh, doing a discussion about how podcasting is now as opposed to how it was when we all got started and how it's changed over the years. Um, and then um, I think I think Secret Transmissions was bugging me to come on. I'm like, I don't want to go on. Okay, I'll go on your show. Oh, listen to you. So oh, First world problem. No, because the last time I was on, I was on the last show that I oh, went on. Oh, really? What, what, what was, last show you were on? Huh. Hey, that's this some of your fault because people want you. No, it's not. Yes, it people is. are afraid of me. People want you to come on. So speaking oh, speaking are, speaking of Soraya, the last time shit. I was on Soraya's show, somebody went on YouTube and gave me this big scathing review about how they don't like it when I'm on the show and I say, oh, and I'm too much and I'm too opinionated or whatever. And I'm like, you don't understand. When I go on other people's shows, I'm terrified. I'm not real good on other people's <laughs> podcasts. I'm literally a nut job and with terror. Which got me thinking about the first time me and you were on Banal of America, and I went back and listened to it, and I was just like, oh, God, oh, it was cringeworthy. Oh, so, that was good. Anyways, um, I know there's probably a ton more of shout-outs and stuff that I'm supposed to do, and I just can't. I can't think of everything this week because I'm just burnt. I need to go sniff me a couple of lines of Coco oh, Loco. God, see. So, <laughs> Make your own. I don't, I don't think – I just don't think Nixley Quick would do the job. I don't well, know. then add some instant coffee to it. No. God. I just, it just, no. I don't know. Just shove don't... a five-hour energy drink in your nose. Oh, God. No. <laughs> All right, shove it in your ass then. I don't know. What do you want to tell you? There was, wasn't, weren't people doing that? They were taking yes, energy yes. drinks uh, anally through whatever, however they were doing it. Anally through whatever. I think you stated what it was. You said anally. <laughs> well, were they putting it like in some kind of a bag or something like that and shooting it in that way or what have, have you? I know people were doing it with coffee. They were doing coffee enemas. Yeah, people do coffee enemas. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, my God. I'm going to go with no on that. Yeah, I think I'm going to pass on that one, too. God, I've never, I've never wanted to go grab myself a cup of Death Wish enema. That's never come to mind. That's not what I think about in the morning when I get up is going and doing a wow. coffee enema. I don't know about I, you. I, I do it all honest, the time. 
Yeah. Sure, why not? <laughs> <laughs> All right, it's a Friday night. We're done because we're, we're me and you are just cooked right now. So this is Rojan. Peace out from Detroit, folks. This is Lobo from Connecticut. June bugs are around all year, not just in June. Where? Down south? No, here. You do not have June bugs flying around in the middle of winter. Me and you live in, in polar ice hell in the wintertime. No, but they're not no here goddamn just in June. June bugs. Oh, my God. Who the hell cares? They're here in March and April, May. You just said they're here year-round. August. My God, do you ever stop talking? They're not just here in June. I swear you said not year, they're here year-round. My God, are you still talking? No. Okay. Right. No. Whatever. We're done. Peace, You folks. ruined it, ruiner. Peace, folks. Bye. I don't like them putting chemicals in the water that turn the friggin' frogs gay. Do you understand that? Turn the friggin' frogs gay. Serious crap. Gay. Frogs friggin' frogs. It's not funny. I'm gonna say it real slow for you. They weren't very good. It though. could have been a lot better. I didn't really like it. It was pretty terrible. It was bad. It was awful. I was terrible. Get him away. Hey, boo! boo!